This is the Prosperous Family Podcast, where we explore creative ways of prospering mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, financially, and spiritually. So pull out your notepads, put on your thinking caps, and be open to new ways of approaching your day-to-day life, new ways of creating prosperity, happiness, joy, peace in your life and in the lives of your family members. Welcome to Prosperous Family Podcast. Hello and welcome. We're so glad you have joined us today on the Prosperous Family Podcast. I am Marian Hobson and I am joined today by Eliza Collins from The Burnout Witch. And Eliza, we wanna really thank you for being here today. And we're super excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm absolutely happy to be here, Mary. And thank you so much for having me. Sure thing. Um, Eliza, I wanna, we really wanna spend some time getting to know you and a little bit about how you serve. So let's get that started by telling us a bit about your family. Yeah, so um, I come from what I like to call a 21st century family. So my dad married his first wife in um, the 70s, and they had my brother, my half-brother, and then they split up, and my dad remarried my mom and my bio mom, and uh, they had me. And about a year after I was born, uh, she very suddenly passed away. So she she passed away when I was 13 months old, and when I was about five, he married my stepmom, who we just refer to as mom. So for ease of explanation, I will refer to her as that, but we always just call her mom. Um, But as we grew up, um, when I got to college, my, one of my dad's ex-wife's kids, one of her daughters, she has two girls, um, was two years ahead of me in school at the same school. So I Mm -hmm. connected with her and then we all connected like with my, our brother and her other sister and we all got on really, really well. So I joke around and call them my quarter sisters. Um, sometimes like when I go back for uh, Christmas, if I head back, which I you know, haven't the last few years because of COVID, but when I do, I'll actually do Christmas Eve dinner at my dad's ex-wife's house with that whole side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll go and do Christmas morning with my dad and mom, um, stepmom, and, yeah. uh, and all of that. And so we very much have like a 21st century family. Like it's just super blended and everybody pretty well gets along. So it's pretty cool. That is awesome. And um, not all of such blended families can say everybody gets along. I <laughs> witness that and my, my husband and his ex-wife can associate, can, they can be in the same room, mm-hmm. but that's about it. And yeah. they, like, like if there's a, a baby born or a special birthday, mm-hmm. They will be in the same room for that event, maybe an hour or two, and they might even say hello. But, <laughs> and I can't say I'm that much better with her, and, and and it's sad, but it just hasn't worked. And you know what? Their children don't foster that either. So it's it's you know, yeah. I just admire people like you who can make it work. <laughs> in fact, my first experience with that was actually in fifth grade, and this was the very first time that I like consciously knew of anyone who had been divorced and we we had two people in our class and i'm not 100 percent sure that i have this dynamic right but if i know if she she was she and he like um their mother and father had been married but not to each other when they were born so they had been married, gotten divorced, and started other families. So neither one of them were like had a blood connection, but because their mother and father had, they were like steps. They did all sorts of activities together, and they just thought it was normal. To me, it was like totally out of the box, <laughs> really, really different. And, and nowadays, like you said, in the 21st century, it's very, very common. But yeah, you know, in the early 80s, that was not so common. Oh yeah, absolutely was still happening, you know, still new. Um, So tell us a little bit about what is the burnout witch and how do you help people? 
so the burnout wish was born out of me burning out myself because if you're going to do something, go all the way, um, collect all the skills. And so I started an acupuncture practice in 2014 when I graduated from um, getting my master's in acupuncture and Eastern medicine. Mm -hmm. And that was a medical degree, an Eastern medical degree, not a business degree. So I had to run a business. There is a distinction. There is a big distinction. And that happens a lot. And I know that it happens with colleagues in sort of, you know, parallel careers. I know a lot of therapists um, and psychologists who experience the same thing. They're like, I'm, I'm here to help people. I'm not here to like learn insurance billing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the process of doing that, I was wearing all of the hats and I was very much like crossing that bridge as I built it. And courtesy of my mom passing away and inheriting things or developing things in childhood, like perfectionism and not enoughness and imposter syndrome, I felt like I needed to be the smartest version of myself and I needed to have as many skills as possible to help people as much as possible. I'm also an insufferable book nerd. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a complete geek and I, I love learning and knowing things as mm-hmm. well, just for the sake of, of knowing them and enjoying them. So I got a certification in hypnosis in 2018. I got mm-hmm. a certification in um a particular style of Chinese orthopedic body work in 2018 as well, 2018 or 2019. I completed functional medicine training um, just as the the pandemic was kind of kicking off in 2020. Mm. And I really enjoyed doing all of these things. But at the same time, I was exhausted. I was putting all of my energy out of myself into trying to learn things and run my business and keep up with friendships and maintain a social circle because everybody says a social circle is really important. And when you're an introvert, it's exhausting. So I ended up burning out uh, in 2019. And I didn't even realize that a colleague of mine that I had contacted because she had run very successful acupuncture practices in Europe. Um, I, I reached out to her and I was like, look, you've got the secret sauce. You did this in two countries separately where you didn't speak a language six years apart. Like, how did you do it? And she's like, I burnt out and you're burnt out and we're going to help you with that. So <laughs> once I got on the burnout recovery wheel, um, I'd been doing that for about a year and I had compiled all of these skills like Eastern medicine and functional medicine and hypnosis that actually lend themselves very nicely to burnout recovery. And my coach said, like, if she goes, I think you'd be really good at this. And we need people in this space. So if you have this skills, and this resonates with you, like, you should do that. And I was like, yeah, actually, that that resonates a lot with me, I would love to help people in this space. And so that's kind of how I got into doing this myself. Isn't that interesting? Um, So I want to kind of go off on two of those, but I wrote them down. So we can (laughs) both of them different moments. Because you are in a helping profession, like acupuncture, hypnosis, functional medicine, very, very much in a helping percent profession. And yet it sounds like you weren't paying attention to helping yourself. Is that, am I reading that right? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And again, that kind of goes to that idea of like self-worth and being in a helping profession, people tend to be very self-sacrificing. You know, it's your job to help other people. And you hear that idea of like, fill your own cup first. When you're stressed out and you're running a business, you you don't necessarily know how and you don't have the skills. And particularly as an entrepreneur, we are not taught that. There is, you know, there there's no space for that because it's a little bit different for everybody. And so what works for one person isn't going to work for somebody else. And I think that as a whole, what we talk about for things like burnout prevention, which can be very useful, like exercise, and meditation are not useful for people who are burnt out because when you are under a state of chronic stress for an extended period of time, which is what burnout is, it's chronic stress over time that depletes your ability to handle day-to-day stress regularly, um, Mm. your brain shrinks. Hmm. So you literally can't meditate. And I know that sounds really freaky and your brain will grow back. Like there's neuroplasticity is a thing. Like it's not just going to shrink and be a walnut forever. Yeah. you cannot use the same tools for recovery that you would use for prevention. You know, people who are burnt out can be so fatigued by trying to exercise that they frequently injure themselves or something as simple as like a 20 minute 
you know, run on a treadmill will require an hour nap because their body is depleted and it, they don't have the resources. Eliza, so, you are like describing me. <laughs> so it's, it, it's actually very, very enlightening because that that's what I experienced. So a couple of things. First of all, one of the things that I brag about is, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 22 years, but I my six figure years were the first couple of years. And then since then, I've actually protected myself from having huge growth, just a very gradual growth because I experienced some of that. Now, and, and I didn't know what I was experiencing, but what you're describing of being burnout and like, <laughs> I could go on a 10 and 15 mile bike ride in my early years, you know, and I could easily make these six figures in my early years. But having three kids very close together, moving multiple times, starting different businesses, what I have learned from um, other people is all of those can cause grief as well as, as um, and if you are moving through all of those changes and all of those shifts without taking time to process the negative emotions that come with all of those transitions, you can't get overwhelmed. And I was being super, super reactive um, and what you're describing is is like, oh, okay, it makes sense. <laughs> I would stand there. Like someone asked me recently to tell my anxiety story. I would be standing in the middle of the room yelling at the top of my lungs at people that I deeply care for, my little kids, little kids who didn't deserve these kind of reactions, or to my husband who I love to death, and thinking, why am I reacting this way? Mm -hmm. And and I did have one person tell me, you know, it was actually my husband's therapist who he only stayed with for a couple months, <laughs> but he described that when we are, it it, it wasn't um, when our cup is full. What what he said is when we are angry, there's something behind it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't help me beyond that, but I started getting curious. And it's what led me into a program that eventually whittled away at all of this stuff that had been building up for years. And for instance, that I had gone into real estate because my parents said that's the only entrepreneurial efforts that we honor, you know, and that I had that um, that when I decided no coaching was the thing for me that my husband didn't like it. And, and every time he said, no coaching, you know, takes too much from the family. I just assumed he was right and things like that. And what I didn't know at the time was he just needed to grow up because it was taking more from the family, but in a way that fed me. And so when I finally started saying, okay, this feeds me and I will be a better mother and wife if you will just give me a few hours a day. And then saying to my clients and everyone else, I'm going to grow this just on a few hours a day because I want to do it in a way that feeds me, but also supports my husband, my family in growing with the process kind of thing. And so I, I love that you're, you're describing that because we do, we need to be aware of where we are, you know, and if you can only handle a short amount <laughs> of whatever it is, then, then, then be aware of that, be, be mindful of that. So tell me what kind of things, when someone is that high strung and on super high stress all the time, how do you help them start coming down? We give you the simplest, dumbest sounding exercises to do. Okay. Um, specifically because again, burnt out brains can't handle much. We don't wanna do anything that's going to overload you. So, we get very clear about where your burnout is coming from. Is it primarily internal or primarily external? Mine was primarily internal because it was expectations that I was putting on myself as an entrepreneur. I'm the only person, I'm not going to a job where I have a boss who's down my throat. Like I used to, I like to joke around sometimes people are just like, oh, like you can take time off whenever you want. I was like, yeah, sometimes my boss is a little bit of a bitch, but most of the time she's really nice. <laughs> um, so like, 
Um, so most of that for me was internal. It had to do with my perfectionism and my imposter syndrome and the pressure that I was putting on myself and not setting good boundaries around like when I check my emails or my text messages and things like that, that were stressing me out. So a lot of that was reorienting my internal boundaries. Mm. Some people who work at a job where they can't leave right away, or they need, you know, six months or a year to freshen up a resume and create an exit strategy. Those can be primarily external boundaries. So what can you do as much as possible to curate your life and your environment in a way that allows you to handle the stress that is coming at you no matter what from an external source? So we start mm -hmm. looking at internal and external boundaries um, mm -hmm. and causes. We try and get your body to start recognizing rest as safe because when we are in chronic, basically fight or flight mm -hmm. all the time, states of rest feel dangerous. And this is often very common for people who burn out, who have histories of trauma mm. or complex PTSD mm. or, you know, something like, yeah, exactly. So like my childhood, that's me, that's me. little did I know. <laughs> but, and like my childhood, I was not abused. My parents are wonderful people, but my biological mother passed away. So that is not a trauma that they could control for. And in the 80s, we didn't take a three or a four or a five-year-old and plunk them into therapy just because, like we might now. That wasn't something that we did. And I was, by all, you know, by all means, a very well-adjusted kid. Like once I kind of got through the first three years, three couple, three years of of that, you know, as I started developing a personality, I was a very anxious child, but I was a largely very happy child. And, and well-adjusted, I didn't cause a lot of problems. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a rabble rouser when I was a kid. I was a bookworm and an introvert, pretty much like I am now. Um, but for people who- I won't agree with you there, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> introvert in terms of I get more energy by resting than being out. Um, yeah, yeah, so that, that's a discussion we could, you know- It's really a whole other thing. Yeah, I'm a very gregarious <laughs> introvert. <laughs> The thing is, and if you don't mind me inter interjecting for a little bit, there are certain um, t guiding principles and, you know, there are certain personality tests that a lot of people answer introvert on mm -hmm. because they, they do. They recharge by taking some time aside. Mm -hmm. But in the system that I teach for, for coming to know yourself, the a lot of those people even though they recharge alone they get a different kind of feed a different kind of um energy and enthusiasm by interacting with people by not not necessarily being buddies with people mm -hmm. but by teaching and by giving of themselves mm -hmm. and and so unfortunately i have observed that a lot of people who have a lot to give be just because they recharge alone think that they are complete introverts and i'm like oh, wait. <laughs> hold on a second yeah i don't i don't subscribe to the idea of strictly introverts strictly active like like yeah. anything it's a spectrum of course yeah. um but i definitely lean towards the internal more than than anything but yeah. um but yeah, so part of that recovering is we look at internal and external boundaries. We mm -hmm. um, we consider, you know, if you have a trauma history, if we need to be mindful of that. Um, we give you very, very simple exercises like breathing for 60 seconds at a time, a few times a day. And people think it's so stupid. They're like, what is that going to do? It's going to teach you very quickly to put your body into a state of rest, but not so long that your body starts to panic. And so we start with a minute and then you do two after a little while, and then you can do three or five. I still do one minute breathing exercises. I have an Apple watch. This is not a sponsored podcast, but mm -hmm. I, I set it so that it goes off a few times a day with a mindfulness prompt and whatever I'm doing, as long as I'm not sitting in front of a person or working with a client, I put down what I'm doing and I just breathe for 60 seconds. Mm -hmm good. It helps my body reset a little more regularly. And it doesn't have to be this super involved thing. And yeah, we also does. you to. In, it's it's kind of funny because I recently started teaching a, a class at church for like seven year olds. 
right? And the teacher be- who I who I co-teach with, with was there before me. And as soon as we get into class, the first thing that she has them do is wiggle mm-hmm. and then breathe. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how that combination, we probably do about a minute of each. And I just go, huh. I'm ready. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the wiggle. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. I sure. love it. So in Chinese medicine, there is something called chi shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people just call it shaking. Little, You can call it wiggling with little kids. That is a way to complete the stress cycle. So if wow. you have ever seen a fox chase a bunny and the bunny gets away because it's a happy ending. I like my happy endings. The bunny, You will see the bunny kind of like sit still for a second and then it will shake its whole body like a dog that just came out of a river, you know, it'll shake and then it'll just go back to doing what it's doing because that action helps the body process stress. It helps it recalibrate. It helps it know that it can come back down to a point of safety. So that is also one of the things that we may give people that it's something that I don't do as frequently as I should. But when I first start, came back to work after being off for 14 weeks during the pandemic, um, and that, that chunk of alone time was critical to my burnout recovery. And it's not something that I ever would have taken on my own. I'm, you know, I'm not saying the pandemic was a good thing. It was absolutely wretched and is. Um, and when I came back to work, I, I very much restructured the way that I was working. So I wasn't working the way a quote unquote normal acupuncturist does. I wasn't running multiple rooms. I was doing one room at a time for safety reasons, which I found works better for me. And at the end of every shift, at the end of every day, I would go into my treatment room and I would put on some music, Taylor Swift, Metallica, whatever, not super loud. And I would just shake Mm. and it would get any stress out of my system and it would recalibrate me so that I could go home, make dinner, veg out with my cats and have a nice evening. Hey, Marion Hobson here. Wanted to... Thank you for being here on the podcast and make you aware that we will be publishing new recordings regularly on Mondays. That's going to be our favorite day for getting out new episodes. I'm going to do my best to get one out every Monday, but my life is is a life. And so make sure you subscribe so you will be notified when we post new recordings. And we will talk to you soon. dancing is one of the things that I always teach people and and what we like you were saying you know do it for a while and we we always give people 30-day challenges Mm -hmm. you know do this exercise Mm -hmm. for one minute two minutes five minutes whatever for 30 days and one of mine when I was going through this my training was to dance every day for 10 minutes and I tell you, you know, I listen to music on a regular basis. And um, although I will say that going in silence for a time and then having music time is even better than having music all the time. But just moving my body with the music created a much better shift. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, released so much more stress yeah. and brought me so much more to... This this feeling of we call it flow, mm-hmm. where you're will, where you're able to kind of be resilient mm-hmm. when, like you said, stress happens because it does. Everybody's gonna have stress, but if you can um, be more in the flow, if you can relax with it or or wiggle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any way that you can help yourself process that. I'm a huge fan of the arts. I was a a musician for a very long time. I studied opera when I was younger. I was, um, for a few years in at the Eastman school of music. Um, and I was a dancer as well. So dance for me, particularly in high school and college, that was how I expressed all of the things that I couldn't say with words that I didn't have words for. That's how I got my stress out. And I'm very Mm -hmm. grateful for my opera training because it taught me how to breathe deeply. Mm -hmm truly breathe. Yeah, I would imagine. Exhale, but like how to engage your diaphragm in a way that gets you the maximum amount of maximum amount of air into your body, which, Mm. you know, when we tell people, oh, like a breathing exercise is really good. It's not just the fact that you breathe. It's how you breathe that has an impact on the physiological response that your body has. Yeah, I actually recently um, was told by an ENT doctor 
that I was only using 50% of my lung capacity. And I was, um, because I was having severe pain in my throat and I wasn't able to be um, talked for long periods of time, had an injury. We're, we're not gonna go all the way into the, all of that story, but he sent me to a speech pathologist. And basically he just taught me to A, breathe better and redirect where the breath was going. Mm-hmm. And um, I, here I thought I had to have some huge surgery and other pe- problems, but really all I needed to do was teach my body to be normal. <laughs> and, and especially those of us who have experienced traumas in our childhood who, and we didn't process those traumas, mm-hmm. we can have a similar thing that we have actions or reactions in our, in our life that we think is just us. It's just normal, but that's not our real self. That is our stress self. That is our PTSD self. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, I think, you know, I've got to think for a minute, but you did say on the recorded part, since we messed up the previous recording, um, about being a PTSD survivor. Um, You know, I would have never thought I had PTSD because like you said, I mostly had a pretty normal life. They're pretty um, uneventful. There were a few little minor events that I could say, until I started really investigating like some circumstances where I was bullied, some circumstances where I I did have a couple people outside of my family. My mother, love her for so many ways, but she wanted to help people who then took advantage of her children and things like that, which was, you know, but we never talked about it and things that you don't talk about and you're not allowed to process you you find a way to just hide away you know and box up and so when i had therapists tell me you know you're acting like you have ptsd what do you mean (laughs) okay but then when we actually did the work and the therapy to find out why Mm -hmm. oh yeah duh i see what you mean (laughs) Yeah, I remember my first appointment with my first therapist when I was 19 years old. I I went through an experience that re-triggered all of the feelings of abandonment from my mother passing away. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, it's that uh, the first appoint first therapy appointments are always like now I'm 40 so they're kind of like fun if I meet a new therapist, but like when you're 19 and you're already like socially awkward, I mean, it's like a bad first date. It's like, what are you talking about? It's just like bleh, trauma. You just vomit yeah. all of your trauma. So she was, I was like, I don't know where to start. And she goes, well, tell me about your family. And I was like, okay, well, my dad and my stepmom. And she's like, what happened to your biological mom? I said, oh, she died. So, you know, that happened, whatever. It was like years ago. And she goes, that might well be the source of everything. <laughs> and I was like, why? I was one. She's like, yeah. Do you know how much you have to go through between one and six in terms of like forming relationships, breaking relationships? I, I didn't have that normal toddler experience of being like, no, you know, and, and breaking away and finding my independence from a mother figure. I'm yeah. absolutely certain I had that with my father. He may tell you that I'm still going through it. But, you know, but I didn't have that with my bio mom. All of that was interrupted and it created this, this neurobiological wiring in my brain that has taken me, my, my adulthood to learn how to understand and rewire to the best of my ability. And it doesn't really matter what your trauma is because everybody has trauma. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if we allow ourselves to get curious, all right, let's consider the fact that, hey, I might have some trauma in there. Then, then, hey, how could this have affected me? How could um, maybe the way that I'm functioning not really be that helpful to actually accomplishing what I think I want to accomplish in this life? You know, being just being curious and, and allowing ourselves to investigate it. Like you said, things that we think, gosh, that didn't bother me. I love the way you said that. Why would that have, I was one years old. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you were. And I, I love, so curiosity is one of my core values. Core values, incidentally, are one of the other things that we do uh, with burnout recovery, because if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you like and you don't know what you value, you don't know how to show up in this world for yourself or anyone else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and curiosity is one of my core values because the thing that I love about it is it takes shame straight off the table. There's nothing to be ashamed of because you're just curious. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I have like very strong emotional reactions to things like now having been curious about it, it's like, okay, I understand where this is coming from. Sometimes it can be harder for me to control it, but I also know that this is a state of being right now, not who I am as a person, this is going to pass. I now have tools to be like, okay, I'm a little too keyed up to have a good conversation right now. I'm going to go rage clean the kitchen and I will come back to this conversation in 20 minutes or a half an hour or later tonight when I'm not being hijacked by my emotions. Yeah. So the curiosity to go into that and say, why am I having this experience? Not that this experience is bad, you know, it's like, oh, you're, you know, that, that phrase, you're too emotional. It's like, mm, okay, I'm emotional and there's a reason. What is that yeah. reason? Let's find that reason. Yeah. Like I, I don't scream. I don't yell. I don't throw things. I don't hit people. So I'm not like abusive, but if I'm having a strong reaction, there's a reason why. Yeah. And if instead I'm like, I shouldn't be having a strong reaction to this, particularly in burnout. Like I remember during my burnout at one point, I was so fried from coming home from work. I got home from work and I was trying to get into my house and it wasn't working. My key wasn't working. And the reason that my key wasn't working was because I was using the key fob for my car, pointing it at my door and pressing the button on my key fob to try and get into my house. And I did not understand what was happening and I didn't realize it. And when I finally realized it, like a while, like 30 seconds went by of me trying to figure out why this wasn't working. I stood in front of my door and I just burst into tears, which is like such a massive reaction to something so small that like now I can look at it and be like, you silly bitch. <laughs> but that was huge at that moment. It, it was massive. And that was my reaction. And now in states like that, I can say, okay, this is trying to tell me something. I'm just, I'm just curious about it. You know, mm-hmm. however I need to cope. That's fine. That's right now. It's not forever. And and what I love about what you're saying is, is the judgment is not what happened or what is happening at this moment, but are you going to be curious about it? Let you te- let it teach you, or are you going to be judgmental and beat yourself up and, and you know, cause more problems <laughs> rather than just, hey, let's deal with what is here. And then when we deal with it, we can move on. That's the thing I love about sitting with our emotions, wherever we sit with our emotions, because um, then we can move on. Then we can say, ah, this is what I've learned. This is why I did that. May or may not have a similar reaction in the future, but um, I'm, I'm okay. I don't have to say, oh, I've had an emotional experience. I have to shut down, break down. You know, I'm a terrible person because I had emotional experience. No, none of that. None of that has to be your reality. (laughs) We take judgment and shame right off the table when it comes to burnout recovery. If if you come to me and you're like, I, this is how I cope. This is what, like, I'm an emotional eater. I'm an emotional drinker. I do all of this, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. You, You are in survival mode. You are doing what you need to survive. Something that I was today years old when I learned a couple of weeks ago Um, I couldn't, when I was burnt out, cook for myself. Like I just didn't have the energy or the wherewithal. So I was eating a shitload of takeout and, um, sorry, I just realized I cursed. Is that okay? We we accept cursing when it's required. Awesome. Um, so I was eating a ton of takeout and I was spending a ton of money and I was really like crapping on myself for it. And it was really difficult. And a, a few weeks ago, I, one of my other values is to show up for myself. What do I need right now? Healthcare comes first and that is mental, emotional, physical, spiritual healthcare. So I triage those things. My mental health needed to come first. I did not have the wherewithal to cook myself dinner. So I ordered barbecue. Mm -hmm. And as I was going to pick it up, I went, oh my God. And I had this epiphany moment. Me ordering takeout was letting my community take care of me. Someone else was cooking for me. Yes, I was paying for it. And because I have a really hard time just simply letting people help me, yeah. I prefer to pay for services. 
I will pay for a coach. I will pay for a therapist. I will pay for someone to cook for me. It's very difficult for me to simply accept kindness, which is something that I'm working on. Um, I'm better at accepting it now and trusting that people have the resources to give it when they offer it. Um, But that night, I wasn't going to ask anyone to cook for me as far as friends are concerned. I live by myself. My partner and I don't live together. And I needed to feel cared for. And I realized that all of that time when I was burnt out, yes, I was spending a shitload of money, but I was letting my community show up for me in a way that I was comfortable with. And that demystified that. And it took all of that judgment that I had put on myself and the shame for the amount of money that I was spending. I mean, there was a year that in terms of like takeout and cocktailing with friends, I could have paid off my car. So like it was a lot of money and I carried so much shame about it. And when I so, reframed so that. So I'm going to jump in here because um, when I first started, you know, doing entrepreneurial trainings and, and coaching and um, guiding uh, guidance or uh, whatever professional guidance about how to make money, there was so much judgment around how you spent what you made. Mm-hmm. And the the craziest part about it for me was <laughs> these people who would judge me for going out to eat every day, not that I did, but judge people in general for going out to eat every day. But then they wanted me to spend $10,000 on a coaching pro- program that I you know, was probably not going to use every day. <laughs> and so there's just such a huge contrast in in some of the teachings around money management, you know, and what I like to say is, look, you need to know if it's a coping strategy, great, use it and do what you need to do to heal that. So you don't have to use it quite as often. Yeah, absolutely. We do know that we don't want to spend, you know, $50 a night. I'm just exaggerating. I don't assume, but, but for instance, if, those people, I, I've done some DoorDash driving, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, I love to drive. When I was, you know, when I first got my license, that was my therapy. Yeah. You know, my mother would not pay for therapy. I have a story about that that I'm not going into, but I would drive. Mm-hmm. You know, I would live right close to the Blue Ridge Parkway and I would just get on it and go around those curves as fast as I could. And- <laughs> Luckily, they didn't have as many cops then. And and so for me, DoorDash driving gives me an opportunity to kind of just have an excuse to be on the road. Mm-hmm. But I, I think about some of those people who do it every night because <laughs> I'm delivering. I would deliver it to them every night. And and I would think, you know, they must really be going through something if they a can't cook for themselves and B can't get out of the house. Mm-hmm that they need this every single night. And so I would, I would honestly just send a lot of love and light with those packages whenever I delivered them, because that's what I realized was that they're not just spending money, but there's reasons why they're spending money that way. Yeah, absolutely. And the ability to destigmatize that and to not judge that is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, as a part of my recovery, like I did functional medicine with a colleague of mine to kind of see like, you know, I I popped the hood on my own biology and I was like, what is going on in here? And I found out I had a scorching vitamin D deficiency. Like Mm -hmm. I'm what you would call indoorsy. So I live in an apartment with a lot of natural light. So I don't get outside much. I don't, I live in the Northeast. Two of my least favorite words in the English language are tick check. I don't hike. I have no interest in it. I will go to the beach, but like, I would rather be on my couch with my cats by a window reading a book. Mm -hmm. And with a vitamin D deficiency, that can show up in a lot of different ways. But severe scorching fatigue is one of them for me. And when I was finally on a vitamin D supplement, which again, I don't supplement people with functional medicine any longer than I absolutely have to. So like, you know, when we talk about supplementing people, it's just to kind of get you back to where you need to be. And then you get everything that you can from diet or environment or whatever. Um, but when I actually got my levels back up to what they should be, I found that I had the energy to cook for myself Yeah, home and like lay face down on my couch with a cat on top of me, trying to suffocate me every night, ordering takeout because I didn't need to, because the underlying condition that caused the fatigue that resulted in me needing to do that got sorted. 
Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because, you know, I, I, I'm just checking how much, did I tell this story already? But when I had three kids in less than three years, so in 30 mm -hmm. months, three, three pregnancies, three births. You are um, a hero. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 that's another story for another day, but, <laughs> but I was severely fatigued and, and I had to get up and continue to change diapers and feed, feed babies. And, and at one point I just said, God help me, please, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't swear, but that is where I was because I didn't know what to do for myself. Right. And what I felt guided to do was to load my three kids in a stroller and walk a mile to the park, not, not take the car anymore, but walk. And we had a policy that I could walk as fast as I wanted to. And everybody had to stay in the stroller on the way to the park. Then they play. And then on the way back, we'd go at whatever pace they wanted to. And I had a uh, borderline, uh, I don't know if he's never been diagnosed with nothing, but my oldest son, very um, like Asperger's type who, who loved acorns. And it would literally sometimes take us two and a half to three hours to get back that mile. And we would have <laughs> at least a hundred acorns in the store, right? Oh my God. But we got some vitamin D, not that I knew what I was doing, but that intense exercise, 15 to 20 minutes every day. And then that time outside just transformed my life. I, my fatigue level went down dramatically and my interest in life and my enthusiasm because we had that system too. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because it, it's crazy how, but, but the reason I actually brought it up there was it's not just vitamin D that I was deficient on. Right. There was some, when I finally saw a doctor and I finally started getting guidance, there were so many vitamins that I had, that had just been depleted mm -hmm. from my body from just having three kids that fast mm -hmm. that um, I needed to revive it. Yeah. And I know we spoke before about like honoring the cyclical nature of life, whatever that is, whether it's a 24 hour cycle or a lunar cycle, you know, a menstrual cycle for a woman, the cycle of giving birth and then recovering from it because birth is traumatic. You want to talk about trauma. You're growing a human life and then you are evacuating it out of your body. Yeah. And all of that is absolutely beautiful and so meaningful and trauma inducing. So the ability to honor the cycle of needing to recover from that, your yeah. annual cycles, your seasons, the cycles of life, you know, youth and adulthood and, you know, maturity, like yeah. all of these things, we, we live in such disconnect from these cycles, mm -hmm. you know, so you going outside every day that, that, I mean, it was more of a paleo lifestyle than eating a paleo diet. If, you know, <laughs> you know, that's like actually going out and engaging with the environment. Isn't that true? In a way that's meaningful, you know? I, I have so many stories that I could tell you about that, but just one, I had a woman who I knew pretty well and her son was a, a, in, a little bit younger than my kids, but he was severely ADD, ADHD, one of those. And the doctors had just increased his meds, increased his meds, increased his meds until it got to a point where she said, I'm not going to do this anymore. There has to be another way. And she went out and investigated and found this book about nature and how it can support um, kids who show signs of ADD and ADHD. And within a, a short amount of time, I don't have the story fresh in my mind, but six to six to 10 months, something like that. She had him completely off medication, mm -hmm. just simply by being out in nature on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm with you 100%. My parents, um, as as I have said men, multiple times, nine nine of ten kids. So we had limited activities that we could afford to do. Most of them were in nature, mm -hmm. and. When I, you know, left my parents' house, I did so many other activities that were fun and great, but I kind of abandoned that nature part of it. 
And as soon as I put it back in my life, I was like, oh, I needed this so bad. Yeah, yeah. nature, nature is a, probably one of the last pieces of things that I've accessed for burnout recovery that I still don't access well because I'm, again, I'm an indoorsy person. Like I like <laughs> indoorsy activities. I don't like hiking. I do like going to the beach sometimes, but um, I also live in a city in a neighborhood where like I won't walk around barefoot. So I just did rolfing last month for the first time. And my rolfer is a wonderful woman. And she said, can you get out and ground? And I said, not where I live. And I'm not driving someplace to do it every day. So there are also the limitations of. I'll bet you could find one corner. <laughs> not in that neighborhood. Absolutely. No, hard. Not close to hard, your office? Hard pass. No. No, really? Not either oh, no. one. No. Huh. Um, this is, but, but you know what? You could ground without taking, like, if you put a thin, um, thin flip flop on or something like that. And, yeah. And, and I, I actually that. have grounding mats. So okay. I sleep with a grounding mat. So okay. I do ground, just not outside in nature as much as I would like. But like, my boyfriend lives on 25 acres. So when I go to his place, you know, I don't go as often as I'd like, but I absolutely will walk around barefoot yeah. out there and hang out in the sun. It's beautiful. But, but it's crazy how grounding, I mean, when people first started saying to me, you're not grounded, you're not grounded. I was just like, get off my back. I don't know what you're talking about. And I feel good. So leave me alone. <laughs> but when I really got into, okay, I'm going to be curious because so many people are telling me you're not grounded. I'm going to just, you know, see what they mean and try some of these silly exercises, you know, like feeling a chain come out the bottom of your spine. What? <laughs> feeling iron boots on your feet. What? But the level of anxiety dropped dramatically. Just from even right now thinking about those things. Can, can well, ease it's interesting my, because, my stress and it's crazy. It's interesting because the what you were describing is also imagining physical feelings. And so it creates that somatic connection again to between your brain and your body so the mm -hmm. process of being out in nature and the process of grounding and actually feeling that is a somatic experience which mm -hmm. for so many people with trauma complex ptsd burnout histories excuse me um your brain and your body are often not particularly well connected mm -hmm. and so part of why i started going to rolfing um is because I want to foster that somatic connection more. I did a lot of this stuff with functional medicine for my body that I'm still doing. You know, I adjusted some dietary stuff. I got myself some, you know, stress management skills. I started breathing more. I started doing yoga nidra and all of those things were really useful. And then I started working with a transpersonal coach and I went to rolfing because that was the next piece of what I needed to do. And mm -hmm. so like we talk about burnout recovery, people are like, how long does it take? And it's like, that depends. But, you know, some people, if it's very, very mild, you may see some, and you can make a lot of changes fairly quickly. That might be three or six months. But for most people, it's a several year process. And it doesn't necessarily mean like that sounds super scary. It's not going to be like some awful slog through mud the entire time. But it is a process of continually building resources and then finding the next piece that needs work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really what, where we should be in life. You know, Eliza, I have had so much fun talking to you and I'm kind of glad we got an extended conversation since I <laughs> did mess up the recording at the beginning. Um, kind of sad. We haven't gotten back to talking about um, the, what I call archetypes. I don't remember what you call the, the therapy. Oh, ego states. Say it again. Ego states. Ego states. Yes. Yes. So we will have to have you back on a very soon future episode to talk a little more in depth about um, talking to yourself, basically yeah. giving yourself permission to have formal conversations. Let's call it that. Yeah. And but, it's funny because I actually, um, one of the other tools that I use to help people with that is tarot because tarot cards um, are full of archetypes and situations. And so I, I don't, predict futures. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm very clumsy. I would break it. If I did, I have cats. If I didn't break it, they would. Um, 
So you and me are on the same page with that, <laughs> but, but because I don't, I don't believe in, not I believe is not the right word. I don't subscribe to being able to predict predict futures. But yeah, having characters to identify with. Yeah, and tarot really asks thoughtful questions. So yeah. that's that's what I use it for. Um, yeah mostly. And I find it to be really useful. And again, those archetypes and those situations and what that brings up for people, what bubbles up when a card comes up and it means this or that yeah. um, can be really, really useful. So in that realm of sort of ego states and, and archetypes, that's one of the tools that I use, which is why I'm the burnout witch. <laughs> <laughs> and and many people would be who know me well would be surprised that I uh, even investigate tarot. But the for for me, it's it's like this curiosity again. <laughs> it's this just a, it's a tool to trigger my creativity, yeah. to trigger uh, a new way of thinking. Yep. And and I think sometimes we need those tools, and yeah. and they're so vital. We could keep going. We could. <laughs> I actually have an appointment. And I need to wrap it up, but I really appreciate you being here and I will get you on another interview very soon. I would love that, Marian. Thank you. And it, as, as we leave, would you please give our listeners an exercise that they can take action on now to improve their um, prosperity, whether that's emotional, spiritual, physical, financial? Yes. So I'm going to give you a breathing exercise. And I also recorded a meditation on insight timer of this breathing exercise. So I can give you a link for the show notes. Perfect. It, it's not just breathing. It is intentional breathing. So you're going to do four deep breaths. And each time you exhale, you're going to relax a different part of your body. And there are areas of the body that tend to carry tension where we don't always necessarily realize it. So when you inhale, hold for a beat. And then as you exhale, release the muscles around your eyes. The second mm. is release the muscles of your jaw. The mm. third is your shoulders, where we do carry a lot of attention. And the fourth is your abdomen. We carry a lot of stress and tension in our abdomen, and we don't allow that to relax fully. So as you take a deep breath and you imagine that breath sinking all the way down into your pelvic bowl, hold and then progressively relax each one of those points on your exhale. It's four breaths. It takes 60 seconds, but it is an intentional way of breathing that actually reconnects you with your body and isn't just like sit and relax for 30 seconds. Like it's a, li a little more active than that. And I find that that's been a really, really meaningful and useful exercise for people to start to feel a little bit safer. In awesome. that Beautiful. So we will have that in the show notes as well as your um, website and anything else you want to share with us and uh, how people can connect with you. So Thank you so much for being here on our um, podcast today. And I, I wish you all well. I do look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Marion. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Marion Hobson, and I invite you to subscribe, like, comment, and most importantly, share what you've learned with someone you know. The best way to lock it in is to teach someone else. So make sure that you share what you've learned, take action on an exercise or something that you've heard today, and come back to let us know how it's benefited your life and your family. Looking forward to hearing from you soon.